Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. I watched it the past couple of days, like on and off, but I think I watched the latter half of episode three and then all episode four just before recording this. And like, I mean, it was it was a decent doc. I, I think like the problem is is that the Johnny doc was just released. And I'm so biased to Johnny. And also like that documentary was just leagues better than the than the uh the Florida Gators one. Like the Johnny one I thought was just which even the Johnny one I felt was like short winded, but this one just totally missed the mark of what they were advertising. Like what they what what they were advertising I thought was like we had this amazing Florida Gator, or they had this amazing Florida Gators team, and there was just a shitstorm behind the scenes that nobody really saw. And I thought this was kind of going to be the like unpackaging of that. And it just there was in the total of probably I would say four hours of the documentary, there's maybe a collection of twenty minutes of talking about that. Like that was it. It was really that kind of let me down. Can you turn your mic back up? I don't know what you did, but can you reverse oh. that? Is it, is that better? Sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. There we go. Bad. But um, yes, very biased on the, you know, Johnny one was way better. Because, I mean, how did they really advertise that they were going to dive in deep to the Aaron Hernandez thing and blah, blah, blah? First of all, why would they even talk about Aaron Hernandez? That's been, like, beaten to death. And... You know everything about it already. I thought they would go more into the other players, the Riley Coopers and the, you know, all all the other interesting characters from that team. Well, they didn't. Like, that's the thing. I was just bringing up Aaron Hernandez because I couldn't think of another name. But that was, like, they just didn't. They never touched on, again, it was very, like, pro-University of Florida like that's just it felt like University of Florida almost produced it because it was so heavy on like Gator Pride and University of Florida is this great institution. All it's not that it's not, but it just very it was like it felt manufactured by that university. Like there just was never really a bad thing that was said about the school or the team or I mean multiple references to their training on how they felt like they were training for war. Like I feel like they said that every episode. It was like we train like we were going to Iraq. It's like yeah, I mean I get it. Like it's football. Like I mean I'm sure I'm sure you train really hard. Like it is a it is a very physical sport, arguably the most physical. But like I mean I know you're thinking UFC David, but that's why I say arguably cuz I don't know, especially at that time, like mid 2000s, like there wasn't a lot of rules protecting receivers and quarterbacks and things like that. So like the hits were pretty vicious back then. (laughs) So I don't know. I thought it was good. But Brett, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I just finished it. I mean, yeah, I just it was it was a puff piece. That's the simple in two words, puff piece. I, you know, I enjoyed the nostalgia. I enjoyed, like, you know, in my opinion, when, like, SEC football was at its best uh, with, like, the late 2000s, the 2000s. Um, crowds were insane. I mean, I, I I was looking forward to, you know, I think David mentioned, like, the player, but, like, they barely talked about the Pouncey twins. 
Mm. Uh, I mean, there's like, there's like, you know, a handful of things I haven't written on. I should be able to find, there's like a handful of things that were wrong, that like were missing from the documentary. Um, I just thought it was, yeah, it was just way too soft. It was more like watching one of those like NFL films where they just like basically go through the season and tell you what happens every game, which like Literally. I get is important and it's interesting. And like, yeah, sure. Like I lived through it. I also like forgot some of it. So like it was helpful, but I, they definitely played down a couple things. I didn't really care that much about the Aaron Hernandez stuff because like everyone's heard a million things, but like the Palpacy twins, Cam Newton stolen lap- laptop, Percy Harvin attacking the wide receiver coach. Carlos Dunlap arrested before the 2009 SEC championship game. Shelly Myers 911 call and Urban Meyer going to the hospital. And then the entire 2010 season. The whole 2010 season was literally just like one sentence at the end of the episode. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he announced he was fired and then he came back and then he left again. Like they, you know, I, I feel like they told Meyer and Tebow or like Meyer and Tebow told them like, hey, we'll only do this if you make it this way. And so they couldn't talk about any of the bad stuff. Like they they made the Florida program look tough, but it was like way more the war stuff than like other football. Like it, that, what they showed didn't look like a, a not like it looked like any other SEC program. Yeah, in my opinion. But I know Florida was different from the rest of the SEC programs, but they didn't really show much. They just said a couple things, and then yeah, as Dave mentioned, it sounds dumb when they're like we're going to war, and it's like I bet that was actually true. I bet it was worse than the other programs. But they didn't really show it and make it look worse based on like the yeah. footage they showed and the commentary and the number of arrests and irresponsibility. I know they talk about the one person that Meyer kicked off the team and then he's like, Yeah, you know, I, I regretted that. And from that point, you know, we didn't wanna we didn't let any player, you know, go to the wayside and then, you know, you just completely forget about the other ten instances they had after that. So I, I was disappointed in that regard, but I did enjoy watching the the video highlights and i did enjoy kind of like story and the commentary you know 15 years later about some of those games so it's like that south carolina block field goal like that that's a classic one the Ole miss upset like that you know that was classic i'm biased person i loved when tebow is still upset about the five fourth down conversions in the 2007 lsu florida game one of the one of the best games i've ever been to in my life so uh that that, that made me laugh and smile it's hard to compare it to the Johnny Doc. Will be the last thing I'll say. Um, I'm sure A&M fans are going to like the Johnny Doc more, and Florida fans are going to like the the Swamp Doc more. As someone who's like doesn't really like either team, or you know, I I, I personally liked probably the 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 Johnny Doc better, but I didn't say that it like went into more you know detail. It was just like went more on the backstory of this crazy thing, and I also didn't know much about it, so I had lower expectations for the Johnny Doc. There was like the thing about the Johnny Doc that I think is kind of the trump card is ultimately in the Johnny Doc, like we learned something we didn't know, which is the fact that like his whole parents had oil money was really just a front for him signing autographs. Like everybody walked away from that, like, holy shit, like we didn't know that. But if you watch this Florida doc, like you're never you don't learn anything. Like it's just a great recap of all the seasons and Tim Tebow and I mean, there's even in the beginning, the guy that w- was talking to me about it before I watched it told me, and I found this hard to believe when they, when Urban Meyer was talking about Tim Tebow, apparently like this, he really played this up, Urban Meyer did, because there's no way like it, it's, it's counter what he was 
saying at the end of the doc where it's like, oh, they won the second national championship in three years. And then all of a sudden, like they close the door and he's grabbed his phone. He's already texting recruits. But at the very beginning of the doc, they're like, there was a guy apparently on the on a plane that Urban was on that told him about Tim Tebow. And he's like, you got to look at this Tebow guy. And Urban Meyer's like, who's Tim Tebow? And Tim Tebow's like a five-star recruit, one of the highest recruited players in the nation. And like he kind of played it as if he's like he didn't know who Tim Tebow was. But then at the end of the doc, he was like, yeah, when we won the second national championship, I was already texting recruits. It's like, okay, those two can't be true at the same time. Like you can't be on top of your shit and then not know who the highest rated top prospect QB in the nation is when you start. Like that's... So like he, it was really a puff piece. And there was a lot of holes you can poke in it. And what like I think makes the Johnny Doc better is again like you walk away learning something at a very minimum about like the signings and stuff, which I thought was awesome. But like the Florida Gators one, it was just like a full recap of that you know couple of years, which was cool. But it wasn't like I mean it was an enjoyable watch. But I think like a great word to summarize is it's it's very forgettable, especially when you put it in the untold series. You look at all the untolds, like Malice in the Palace, or you have the 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 wasn't there one about the steroids? The Johnny yeah. Doc, like I'm I'm like running through them in my head. There's probably twelve of them at least. Yeah, Manti Teo. The Manti Teo one's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 un, it's it's forgettable amongst those amongst its comparables, which I didn't appreciate. Like Untold always goes hard, and they didn't go hard this time. Mm. So. Last last thing I'll say, I'll say Florida better story, but the Johnny Dog better like portrayal. Definitely. I think so. So but as you can hear, we have we have Mr. Brett from Brett's Best Bets on. Triple We're B. here to talk about college football. Because it's time. It's time. This is usually the easiest episode for David, or for me, actually, because David actually argues. But I just sit back and listen to what Brett has to say about what's going on this year. Well, I'll say this. You know, I was telling a coworker today that when I was a kid, I feel like for most kids, you know, the summer's kind of, the end of summer's a sad time because you're going back to school. But it also means beginning of football season. And now that I just work year-round, like, everyone else in the working world you know it really is the beginning of the best time of year labor day is really where it all kicks off um so i am really excited for the season got a bad a i think the, my preview this year was 19 pages I, I i don't even know how many pages it was last year probably like a third of it it just kind of kind of word vomit and uh you know re- really excited for the season a lot of good things uh to say also the week one slate's kind of kind of boring so i think that's kind of why i was more focused on the the preseason stuff because there wasn't as many like eye popping games early on focus on. So really excited for it. Uh, As usual, I have some bold takes. Uh, I have some win total bets, which is, you know, usually my, my, my most profitable category and uh, preseason lock of the year and uh, a couple futures that I like, including some conference winners and some, some playoff appearances. So I'll, I'll turn it over to, to David. I might, to, um, I guess, kick it off. <laughs> rival, the rival good, on the show. Rival, yeah. I was trying to think of a that, good name. That's, uh, said a lot there, bud. But, uh, 
Let, I mean, I think the favorite this year is Texas A&M University. <laughs> like, no bias whatsoever. Um, I just think straight from a coaching perspective and a skill perspective, and a talent perspective, A&M is a drinking ball. problem. <laughs> I'm just telling people now. I'm tired, if, I'm tired that, of leaving. If that's where you want to start, I'm happy to start. I mean, we, we can go team by team with a couple of these. Maybe we'll just do the SEC. Would be helpful. I'm happy to start with AM. So contrary, I want to hear. <laughs> contrary to what you may, what y'all might be thinking, I don't know what you are expecting me to say about AM, but I'm probably more bullish than the average person is on Texas AM this year. If 20 returning starters, they're super inexperienced last year. They have a five-star QB. It was, you know, very fresh last year. I think Bobby Petrino is not someone that's Know, a built to last kind of guy, but it definitely could work out for a year or two. Uh, you know, I'm certainly optimistic uh, on that. I think when shit hits the fan, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Jimbo and Petrino react. I think right now it's all, you know, roses because they're not really in an argument in the middle of a game on what play to call. Um, and AM has a pretty, pretty manageable schedule. I think the first month, the Arkansas game is going to be tricky, but uh, outside of that, um, they have a couple weeks. I, I'm, not, I'm not that high on Miami, so I think two and that was a pretty pretty easy start there. Uh, so I for they're not one of my win total bets. I will say that just because I think it was at seven and a half because I could see it going either way. The problem with a lot of the the SEC West teams. I mean, I take it back. I, I'm very high on one SEC West team, which I'll get to later on. It's Alabama. not the one. It's okay. not the one you think. I, 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 if I gave you three guesses, you probably wouldn't even guess the team. Mississippi um, State. Let's go. <laughs> okay, that's your 0 for 2 so far, but we'll. Uh, um, but, you know, there's just so many toss up games. It's really hard to do 9.5 or the over 7.5. And, and it's also really hard to imagine them winning the SEC West just because even if they beat Bama at home, they also have to play at LSU in Tiger Stadium the week before Atlanta. So I just find it hard to believe they go 2 and 0 in those games. Easy money, dude. Um, I think the path for A&M, honestly, is to hopefully be undefeated during the LSU game to where it doesn't matter if they beat LSU. Like, to hopefully be 11-0, and and then LSU's already lost to, like, Ole Miss and Alabama. And then it doesn't really matter if, if LSU beats A&M. Because I just – I, I, I mean, re- regardless of my bias, there's just I just don't see A&M beating LSU in Baton Rouge this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that with every scenario you have laid out involves A&M losing to LSU. Which I mean I don't know where this is coming. But from guess what? Because... Guess what? I'm not that. I'm not like I'm. Did, I'm not betting the LSU win total over either. I mean I don't know if y'all y'all know Brett's best bet's number one rule is you know I don't bet win totals or I don't bet LSU games. Um, okay, so. about the LSU win totals. You betting LSU to win against Texas A&M, dude? I heard that. I'm not I just I, I mean I'm I'm counting. I give A&M a twenty percent chance of winning that game. Mm. Okay. I think twenty percent. That's it. Think, you give us twenty percent. I think A and M and Bama is probably pretty close to fifty fifty. Oh my god! Yeah. You are so biased. Crazy. <laughs> I'm biased. This man must think it's Joe Burrow year still. Well, I mean, to start, A and M's never beaten LSU in Baton Rouge in the hundred years of the existence of the program. So you know when shit like say, that gets let's said. Just say I wasn't. You know, let's just say I wasn't. LSU graduate I, like I mean I'll just start there 
I mean, when, right, shit, okay. we'll move when on. shit like that gets said, that means it's going to end. The streak is okay. going to end this year. That's right. I will, I will come on this show. I will come on this show, and I will take it. You can say, you told me, if a if and M beats LSU this year. Oh, no, you're going to take it and like it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, I, I do think a going to be a really good team. I could easily see a 10-win season, for sure. Um, so I guess a couple other teams. Who's Alabama. Who's winning the SEC? I swear, if you say LSU, the safe bet's probably I, I, like honestly, probably Alabama's the best value. That's pop. That's like probably who I go with. I mean, like I guess Georgia. Like Georgia's going to be there, but they're not going to be battle tested. I just like who comes out of the West. Personally, Alabama could go one or two ways. So Saban's never been. Well, I guess that's a good segue in Alabama. Saban has never gone three years at Alabama without winning a national championship. He had one in the past two. That means a single player that's come through the program has not won and that has not not won a national championship. His first year was 07. He won an Addy in 09. The past two times, Alabama has lost two games in the regular season was 2010, 2019. And in both of the years after they won the national championship. This is Alabama's lowest preseason ranking since 2015, also when they won the national championship. And they're fourth. If you, yeah, if you if you go with all of that, like, and you think of Georgia, new quarterback has won two in a row. No teams won three years in a row. I don't care if Georgia's the best team or not. I just don't think luck is going to break their way three years in a row. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> I, I'll make a lot of Georgia fans mad here, but Georgia is two wide receiver injuries away from having zero national championships the past two years. Because Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt in that semifinal last year. The third quarter, Ohio State definitely like gets another 15 yards to make the field goal, or they probably convert a first down and don't even have to uh, punt in the second or last drive of that game. And then Jamison Williams was injured for the national championship in 2021 after Bama put up like 41 on Georgia's defense in the SEC championship. So I just don't think luck's going to break three years in a row. I think the best chance of any program to have won three in a row was Bama from 2011 to 2013. And then you had to kick six after, and that ruined their three-peat. So I just think something's going to happen to Georgia at some point. Even if Cardinson Beck's good, and I, I just don't think they're winning the national championship. They might win the SEC and lose. They might not win the SEC and then lose. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not betting any Georgia win total. I'm sure they're going to go 12-0. and 0. I, just, I just don't see them winning it three years in a row just because they've been fortunate the past two years. Uh, see, man, that <laughs> – you're just going off of like what history says. It's history Nick Saban's say ne- Nick Saban's never uh, gone three years without a natty. Okay, and so you know that's eventually the streak has been going on for a while. You said oh seven. That's when he got hired. First one was oh nine. It's been going on for a minute. That streak's gonna end, bro. It's gonna end. Like the last chapter of your favorite book. <laughs> you know what? Look. Oh no! Yeah, I made him. I made him. I made him, made his internet. Made him leave. Why did you say that? <laughs> like the last chapter of your favorite book. <laughs> what kind of a reference is that? It's terrible. It's a wannabe <laughs> rapper reference, bro. I got bars. I got bars. It just, it just, 
and just came out and felt natural. He's in your he's in his rhymes right now. That's what he's in. All right, Brad, do we have you back? Can you hear me? I can. Then you muted yourself. Oh. 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 Man. Oh. We trying out here. Yeah, Since we've had on probably here. what, like anywhere from seventy to a hundred guests. He's like the only one that struggles, I would say. I mean, he's been on here like five times already. And every time's a struggle. <laughs> and I don't get it, bro. I think next time y'all meet up for your golf thingy, Brett has to bring the laptop so you can just take a look at it and click a few buttons and fix it. Yeah, and tell That's him what like, I do. Just do not do not mess with anything. Don't, yeah, don't mess with any buttons. settings. I believe in you. I don't know if he can hear us, but I believe in him. I'm not feeling so. good. See, this is this was the I problem with watching. Oh, he can't hear us. This is the problem with me watching the Florida doc, though, David. Just real quick as a quick interlude for this. When I watch this and then I watch Notre Dame play Navy on Saturday, because, yes, I did watch that game. I watched at least the first couple drives before they started just blowing them out of the water. It's like 49 to three, I think was the ending score. Uh, I am haunted again by the fact that A&M will yet again have a three or four loss season and we will not live up to the hype that we were, that we, that we always seemingly receive. And it is so frustrating because Desmond Howard last year said we were going to be <laughs> in the college football playoff and we never live up to that hype. And I want to believe that we will, but I just Jimbo has such a strong drinking problem that I don't think that it's possible. I think we're going to be all right, bro. I think just, just what is all right. Just relax. What is all right. We do our best when everybody is down on us, bro. Well then I'll be down on us and then I'll ride the bandwagon on our way back up. Exactly. You I want to believe. Gotta, just gotta but... be down and and just ride the roller coaster back up. Can you hear me? I am Brett. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. Uh, I lost my train of thought. So outside of uh, you know trends or saving in the history, this Alabama team's pretty weak and doesn't really deserve to be in the playoff conversation. Uh, I'll give you that flip side as well because. They only have five returning stars on each side of the ball. They're replacing the top two, you know, players in the draft basically in uh in um Bryce Young and Will Anderson. They have two new coordinators, which can't be overstated enough. Now I'm sure the coordinators might be okay, you could argue are upgrades over the previous people and Kevin Steele's been at Dama before. But uh you know, it's still like a new system on offense, new dif- defense for these players. They have, you know, some of the most talented you know, recruiting classes, but my theory is NILs kind of like hurt a little bit of Saban's kind of coaching style. Didn't really work in the pros because he was yelling at, you know, grown men with families, but he was also yelling at people who already kind of had money. So they didn't have to like listen, you know, it, it was a little bit different of like, you know, talking to, to kids because they were already getting paid. And now you have all these people in Alabama who are already now getting paid. So I think my theory you is that an apologist right now. So what I'm hearing, I, my theory, no, I don't, I don't know if it's an apologist. I just think like my theory is his coaching style 
is a little archaic for NIL, and I'm not sure exactly he's found a way to adapt yet. He's always been able to adapt, but he hasn't been able to adapt to this, and who knows if he actually will or not. Uh, What's his so coaching style? Very, I mean, it's a little different from, I think it's a little different from Urban Meyer, but I think Saban's like, you know, if you play bad, we're taking the car keys. Like, you're not doing anything. You're going to run sprints. You're going to, you know, you need to listen to me because I'm going to make you a pro and I'm going to make you a lot of money in the NFL. And now they're already getting paid. And, you know, the depth, you can just transfer from Alabama. Like, JoJo Earl left. The, one of the offensive linemen left from Alabama this offseason. Like, there's no, like, you have to sit there and work, wait behind people and go up. You can just transfer left and right. Um, so, and I, I, I think the fact that they took Buckner from Notre Dame means he has no confidence in any of the quarterbacks, um, which isn't necessarily the end of the world. I mean, Jacob Coker won a national championship with Saban. You know, Greg McElroy won a national championship with Saban. Uh, you, know, you, you don't need, <laughs> you know, before the Tua's and the Bryce Young's and maybe Matt Jones, I, I don't even know. That was COVID, so I don't really count that. Before the Jalen Hurts is like, he had very mediocre quarterbacks, but they had a great line of scrimmage and they were they had a great running back. They struggled on the line of scrimmage the past two years, or at least they don't, they're not as dominant as they were. Um, and so that could be a big concern. They play LSU and Tennessee at home. As I like to point out, the, the home team in LSU Bama is actually like has an under 500 record the past like 20, 50 years or however many years because LSU tends to play better in Tuscaloosa and vice versa. So I, you know, I, I don't necessarily give that one as a guarantee. And then they have a very tough game at A&M, which I fully expect to be a very close game. It would not be shocked at all if, if A&M beats Bama. Um, I mean, heck, they almost won last year in the middle of their, you know, five and seven season on the road. Um, until I don't know, I don't know what that play call was. The, Sorry, the that's last... not my feelings. You saying that? <laughs> but I don't, uh, I don't like the emphasis on the five and seven. All right, we need to we need to pump those brakes. Uh, could could have been four and eight, but you know, I don't want uh, to hear that either. But it wasn't. No, that hurt my be. feelings. That hurt my feelings because y'all beat me last time. Anyway. So I'm hit or miss. I took Bama at seven to one to win the national championship the day after Georgia TCU happened, just because I was like, I can't believe it's seven to one. And I obviously all my friends were still like fresh in mind before, like no matter what was going to happen, the trends were going to be the trends, and he hadn't gone three years without winning. So I think it's about there. Maybe it's seven to one, six to one. Like a, I like it. It's a, if they make the SEC championship, it's very easy to hedge. You can just take Georgia if they make it without any losses. You don't even have to hedge till the playoff. Maybe they get an easy playoff semifinal and you don't have to hedge till the natty. So I, I like the value there. Um, the second time ever I did place, I said I never bet LSU spreads or win totals, but I did put a bet. At eight, I got 18 to 1 in April on LSU to win the national championship. Uh, second time ever I've made an LSU national championship future, the other time being 2019. I'm not saying it's going to turn out like 2019, but – one of two teams with our offensive coordinator oh, and our quarterback returning us in Vanderbilt. All the other top programs don't have a quarterback returning. Won 10 games last year, very similar to the 2018 scenario. Um, I think our secondary is going to be our Achilles heel and our special teams. And I think we're probably a year away from having a very complete roster. And it just, it's just unfortunate because this is probably the better year compared to next year. I think LSU's home schedules really a joke this year outside of the A&M game. And uh, they just have so many chances now that you, know, you can you can arguably lose two games in the SEC and still, you know, win the SEC championship. So 
personally, I'm not as like worried about the Florida State game because it doesn't really matter as much to me. Like if we lose to Florida State, Ole Miss, but we, you know, win out, beat Bama, beat A&M and beat Georgia in the SEC championship, like we're going. So I'm not really as like Florida State's make or break as everyone else, which might be why I'm higher on LSU's national championship odds. I think it's dropped down to 10 to 1. I think that's not the right price. Uh, but, you know, I like it. The semifinals in New Orleans, t- things, you know, tend to work out when the big games are in New Orleans. LSU tends to be there. Uh, national championships in Houston this year, in case you didn't know. Um, but uh, so that'll, that'll be exciting. Moving on, I have a small bet so, on. So, hold on, hold on. Yeah. What, what do you think you know that the books don't know? About. Well, clearly, I need- about what? Because obviously they had it. You said originally eight to one, and then it went down to ten to one. No, no, I got them at eighteen to one in April. Eighteen to one, yeah. Eighteen to one, and now it's at ten to one. Yes, in twenty nineteen, I got them at twenty six to one. Dang, you had that many people on your read your article. They're like, "Ooh, we're gonna jump LSU bandwagon." <laughs> No, I, I didn't put LSU in my article because I don't I don't bet LSU games and I didn't want to feature it. So I, I didn't I didn't put LSU at all in the Brett's best bets. And that came out last it. week. <laughs> yeah, I bet it a while ago. The second time ever. We'll see if it works out. But I, I can bet him another writer integrity you know, is just not a value to you then. I can bet him another, you know, decade or two hey, and still make money. Yeah, so. I, I like his subtle brag about how he bet twenty nineteen for them to win the natty. <laughs> First trip ever to Vegas. First trip to Vegas. That was the last thing I did on the first trip to Vegas. I won two hundred bucks. I put a hundred on the Saints at ten to one to win the Super Bowl and a hundred at LSU. Twenty six to one. All right. So, but anyway, no, yeah, enough. That's about LSU. I'm tired of talking about them. I talk about them with everyone else. Uh, The real exciting stuff. The rest of the the SEC. A small bet on Ole Miss over seven and a half. Not not too too much to talk about there. Um, but they, they bring in Pete Golding. I like the schedule. I think LSU's trap game is against Ole Miss, so I think Ole Miss has a very good chance of beating LSU this year. Um, what else? Mississippi State, I'm under on. It's one of my, my favorite one of my favorite bets. I'll get to my top three bets in a second, which all happen to be in the SEC, just pure coincidence. But I think Mississippi State under six and a half is I think my fourth highest bet, most confident bet. Um, you know, I think the Mike Leach stuff is worn off for, from the off season. I don't really like, I mean, they just, they had to promote, you know, Arnett. He doesn't have any coaching experience. He's trying to change the offensive scheme away from the air raid, but they don't really have the personnel on what Zach Arnett wants. I know Will Rogers is like a fourth year returning senior, but um, yeah, the, the wide receivers, they were basically all new. Very tough schedule. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't make it bowl game, but I, I just see... I think it's hard to get to over six and a half because their winnable games are on the road. They play Auburn, Arkansas, and A&M all on the road. And those are, you know, argue, arguably, um, I think they, they, met, they might also play. No, no, they play Ole Miss at home. But those are arguably three of their most winnable SEC West games. Like they, they host LSU and they host Alabama. So, you know, it's not really the best schedule if you're trying to make a bowl game, in my opinion. Um, what other team there? Auburn's a wild card. I just too much uncertainty for me to touch it all. And then you like you said there's somebody... the last team, the last team in the SEC West. My number two. Most confident. No, number two or number three. Yeah, I guess, I guess we'll go number two. My number two most confident play. 
be Arkansas over six and a half wins. So two years ago, at my SEC West Golden Child was Ole Miss over seven and a half. They went 10 and two and almost won the Sugar Bowl. Last year, my SEC West Golden Child was Mississippi State over six and a half. They went eight and four. And this year, it is Arkansas. They don't have as many returning starters, but they do have one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the SEC, KJ Jefferson, and one of the best running backs, if not the best running back uh, in the SEC returning, whose name I'm blanking on in the time being. Uh, but I think they know the kind of team they are. I think that they're going to bounce back. They have great you know, offensive line pay. I trust Sam Pittman. Arkansas always plays A&M really tough. They blew the game last year. Uh, I think that could be a really tough spot for A&M this year. Uh, but here's the thing. If you go kind of game by game, they play, I think they play A&M, Alabama, A&M, LSU, Alabama, and Ole Miss, like four weeks in a row. I don't even win any of those games. I mean, to hit this over six and a half. They have a very easy, soft, non-conference schedule. That's going to be an easy 4-0. They play Auburn and Mississippi State, I think, both at home. That's six. I think they draw. I got you. So it's West Carolina, Kent State, BYU, at LSU, home A&M, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, at home Mississippi State, away at Florida, at home Auburn, FIU, and Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. That's the team. Thank you. So, yeah. So they have four non-conference wins, and then they play Auburn, Missouri, and Mississippi State all at home. So that right there is seven wins, and that already gets me the over. And I'm assuming that they're not going to pull a single upset any of the four teams in a row that I listed, A&M, LSU, Bama, Ole Miss. They have a very good chance of beating A&M. Wouldn't be shocked if they beat Ole Miss in Oxford if Ole Miss beats LSU the week prior. And then I'm also assuming that they're going to lose at Florida coming off a bye. And I'm not so sure that they're going to lose in the swamp because they're going to have two weeks to prepare. And I'm not as, as high on Florida this year. So I just think the floor is like seven wins, maybe even eight wins. And, you know, even if they, even if the quarterbacks are, they, you know, they, they, you know that, that kind of is what did them in last year, but they're a running team, right? Like the, the reason I think people are down on them is they're like, oh, well, they only have five returning starters. Their receivers are new. Like KJ Jefferson's not really throwing the ball anyway, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not really that concerned about it. Uh, and you know the defense brings back some pieces, so I think over six and a half is pretty safe and one of my favorite bets. So uh, any Arkansas, any questions before the before the East? Uh, Arkansas sounds like a solid six and six team. And guess what? I that's why I like the bet because people like you are like it sounds like a solid six and six team. That's what's keeping it at over six and a half. People like you. That's what's keeping it at six and a half, David. Oh no, I'm I mean, just saying that because it. you're you're betting it. over seven and a, you're betting so over six and a half. So you're gonna get the hook six and six. Okay. No, I, okay. I like it. I like the bet because yeah, the first three are wins. The last three could be wins. Auburn, FIU, Missouri, and then they just have to win. One of the games between LSU, AM, Ole Miss, Alabama, Mississippi State, and Florida, like that gets them to seven. So, I mean, that's very doable. If KJ Jefferson like Auburn, gets hurt. Auburn, I feel like is sneaky, though. Do you not feel like Auburn's sneaky? I always feel like they're kind of sneaky at some points. Auburn's actually sneaky, and it is late in the season when Hugh Freeze is going to be going, but it's in Arkansas, which makes me feel a lot better. 
and it's after the Florida game. So if Arkansas loses at Florida, they're going to be fired up to return home for their last home game stand, and I think they're going to be come prepared for for Auburn. It's all about schedule timing. Like that's that's kind of the key with a lot of these things. That's why I was like, you know, trap game stuff. Like I'll tell you another schedule thing that I, I'll probably bet this year, just like what I'll know whenever the games comes. A&M's got a tough game against Arkansas. Now, I said Arkansas plays them tough normally, but they also play Arkansas the week before they host Alabama. That's an easy look-ahead spot for them to be focused on Bama. I don't know if y'all remember, but two years ago, I think A&M was a 10-point favorite against Mississippi State. I took Mississippi State yeah. money line, like plus 230 the week before Bama. Mississippi State not only covered, but won outright. And then A&M beat Bama the following week. That's just a classic look-ahead spot there. As I mentioned, Ole Miss could be upset LSU. Then Arkansas comes into town. You know, they're already celebrating and partying for being LSU because that's like their, you know, early season Super Bowl. Um, so I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot of spots. And, again, the fact that Auburn's you – know, Arkansas's, you know, easier winnable games are at home, to me means that they're kind of less likely to, to, to drop one of those. So and I, I just think that they're due for an upset. So I think eight and four is probably the – the most reasonable projection for Arkansas. I think the only way it goes under is if the QB gets hurt, which is, I you think know. A- A&M, happen. we've always had the Bama game after Arkansas, though, so. Mm-hmm. I don't think y'all have had them after Arkansas in the past, like, five seasons. Oh. Last year, you played Mississippi State before Bama. The year before that, you played Mississippi State before Bama. Damn, you pulled the receipts on you, David. Oh, no. Oh, See, the year no. That, David don't like Vanderbilt. receipts. Year before that, you played Arkansas in 2019. Boom. So one time in the past five years, you've played Arkansas before Alabama. Hey. You did you read that off of a paper? No, it's Phil Phil, Phil, Phil Steele. Phil Heath. Phil Steele. Might, yeah, Phil might Steele. I say you were 23 and a half point favorites against a two-win Arkansas team in 2019 and beat them 31-27 the week before you played Bama. So. I mean, I'm just in saying. Brett, watch we out. trust. I trust. I trust I'm in the just Brett. Watch out. This I man's like... miserable to play golf with on Sundays in the fall because we'll literally reach. We'll tee off Saturdays, at eight a.m. Saturdays. Saturdays, yeah, Saturdays too, because it's like we reach fucking eleven a.m. noon, and he's like got his phone out, and we're like trying to play golf, and he's like sitting in the cart watching. So I'm like, I. I trust this guy who lives and breathes it. I, mean, I, I tend does. to shoot better on the front nine than the back nine in the fall. I'll say that. Yeah. Front nine, I just got game day going. And then, you know, you make the turn and the games kick off. And, you know, it's good. I can forget about the shot. If I hit a bad shot, I'll just forget because I'm, you know, looking at the scores. But look, well, I know we got your, I, I read your, bre- uh, your, your, your best bets, your, your 19 pager, I skimmed through it. And I like yeah. your lock of the season, your Kentucky lock. We're going to go there next? Okay, yeah. Perfect. So my, my lock of the preseason. I want, I want David to tell me there are six and six teams after I go through this. Kentucky, over six and a half wins. One of my favorite coaches, most underrated coaches in college football is Mark Stoops. And, I mean, people, people forget how horrible the program Kentucky was before he took it over. There's a couple big things that Kentucky did since last year. That makes me super bullish on them. First off, one of my favorite players from last year who got hurt, or NC State might have won at least 10 games, was Devin Leary, who's 2022 like preseason ACC, I think, Offensive Player of the Year. He was a 2021 ACC like All-American. 
really good quarterback, comes into Kentucky. I don't really think that highly of Will Levis. I think we kind of already went through that when we were talking about the NFL draft stuff. It's it's definitely going to be an improvement of quarterback. And I think a lot of people are sitting there saying, oh, they lost Will Levis. They're going to be, it's going to be a decrease in QB play. I think it's going to be the exact opposite. Uh, Devin Larry's very, you know, game managing quarterback too. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over a lot. I think he's going to throw the open guy. Kentucky's offensive line was uncharacteristically uh, poor last year, and I don't expect that uh, to return. They changed their offensive coordinator. Now, I know I was just saying continuity and new coordinators are an issue. Their offensive coordinator was the same guy that was their offensive coordinator for four years. He just took a one-year break and was, I think, the Rams QB coach. He's back. The last time he was offensive coordinator in 2021, they won 10 games. They went 10-3. and so really like uh, what's oh what's his name is it Cohen yeah Liam Cohen Liam Cohen coming back they have ten returning stars on offense so the, return, the offense is going to be significantly better I my one of my bold predictions and this ties in my first bold prediction of twenty twenty three is that Kentucky's going to be the second best team in the SEC East so let me continue now we're, I'm going to go to the defensive side they only return five stars but they do return a lot of their significant tacklers. Their defensive coordinator is one of the best defensive coordinators, Brad White, in, in the SEC. It's his fifth year here. Let me tell you the points per game allowed that he's had in his five years. 16.8, 19.3, 25.9, that was COVID, 21.7, 19.2. Now, in three of the last four years, he had five or fewer starters returning. and still only gave up 20 points a game. Again, he has five defensive starters returning, which – is somewhat on the low side, but I'm not that concerned, again, as I mentioned, because of the, the track record. I also think Kentucky's schedule sets up really well for a couple of reasons. And, you know, we can play the low floor game. Their non-conference beginning is a joke. They play Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, and Akron at home. I mean, Vanderbilt would start 3-0 with that schedule. Speaking of Vanderbilt, they go on the road to Vanderbilt in week four team that literally just beat Hawaii by seven and their defense is paper saw. So not concerned there. Easy four and <laughs> no start. Then they host Florida. I know, oh, it's big, bad Florida. Kentucky last year went into the swamp after Florida beat Utah. Anthony Richardson on his high horse and they physically took it to Florida winning 26 to 16 and they just manhandled them. And now Florida's coming up to Kentucky. I know everyone's going to mark that as a loss. I think there's a very good chance, probably more likely than not, that they beat Florida. But for the sake of discussion, we'll put that one to the side. I just told you they're starting 3-0. They're playing at Georgia. Okay, they're going to lose to Georgia. I'm not, I'm not fighting that battle. Then they host Missouri. Coming back after the Georgia game, not that high on Missouri. I have a small bet on Missouri under 6.5. Six they go 6-6 six and six literally every year. If you want to talk about a 6-6 six and six team, it's Missouri. I think they've gone 6-6 six and six. Is it four years in a row. Six and six, six and six, five and five, six and six. Yeah, they've gone 504 years in a row. They're not beating Kentucky this year, especially, uh, I think, what did they beat? Yeah, Kentucky barely beat them last year. Perfect. Okay. Then they got a bye. Now, this is the game, which is why I think that they're going to be second in the SEC East. They play Tennessee after the bye. Not only do they play Tennessee after the bye, but it's the week after Tennessee has played A&M and then at Alabama. He's going to be physically beaten up from that Bama game in Tuscaloosa, win or lose, which I expect them to get blown out. We'll get to that. We'll get to Tennessee later. I think there's a very good chance Kentucky beats Tennessee. 
very low on Mississippi State. They play at Mississippi State. The reason that no one's talking about Kentucky is because they have the unfortunate draw of playing Alabama at home, and that's their like SEC West crossover game. So that's a loss. But last year, Mississippi State's SEC East crossover game was Georgia, and everyone marked it as a loss. But that was actually a good thing for the win total because it kept the win total at six and a half, so it was a lot easier. Similar here, because they play Bama, it keeps it at six and a half. I'll mark that's going to be a loss. And then they play at South Carolina and then at Louisville. Don't Louisville's, you know, a lot of a lot of new starters, new coach Jeff Brom, rivalry game. I expect Kentucky to win that one. If you're keeping track, I think they're really just losing to Georgia and Alabama. And you're going to have to find four more losses on this schedule. And I, I just don't see it. Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt. Tennessee. Okay, sure. But I, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, maybe they lose to Florida. Maybe they lose to South Carolina. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like that their first puts, four that just wins. Puts Louisville, that just puts Louisville as the top. Like in worst case scenario, they give you the five teams that maybe they lose to. I, I, I just don't see it. I, I personally have them. I think they're going to go nine and three and finish second in the SEC East this year. Might win 10 games. So, so I just think the four better record than AM. They might. They might. I, I don't I, look, look, look. AM could go both ways. They're a basketball look, school, Brett. We can't. No have one no one is this. going to be surprised if, if AM wins ten games. But the best part about this whole thing, and I'll leave you on this, because leave. last year, one of my favorite bets outside of Mississippi State was my number one bet, but I had NC State High, who also had Devin Leary. NC State Devin Leary got hurt. They only went eight and four. They missed the eight and a half win total by half a game. Kentucky won, went eight and five with a wide receiver at quarterback in 2019. But the same coordinators and the same coach. So I'm not worried. If, if Leary gets hurt, I still think they can go seven and five. But even as bad as last season was, they went six and six. So you're just you're, you're telling me that they just have to be a fraction better than last year or have one bounce go their way in the one score games, and they're going to improve on that win total. I just think it's a slam dunk, and it's my preseason lock of the year. Yeah, no, I I agree with you because I I was looking at the schedule too when I read that, and I was thinking like, yeah, there's they don't have a tough schedule. First four are wins, and the last two should be wins, so there's six, and they have to win one of the what five in between or six in between. I mean, that's like they're not going to go on a five or six losing streak. I mean, it's, no, I'll tell you no the casual. Way. The casual fans looking at it and saying, okay, Georgia, Bama are losses. Tennessee is going to be incredible. That's a loss. They, they only watch, they only remember what they last saw at South Carolina. That's going to be a loss. And Florida's Florida. So that's going to be a loss. And then, oh, well, at Mississippi State, at Louisville, Mississippi State won eight games last year. Like they might lose that game. And that's what they're seeing. And that's why they're like, okay, maybe it's six and six or seven and five. You got to always have to think like why the market is what it is. I'm just saying, a thousand like, down on Kentucky plus. Leary's better than Will Levis. Offense at the same time, it's you're doing the same thing, but just opposite. How? Because they're like, oh, writing it off because Florida, Florida. You're over here, like, hey, well, you know, in the past four games that um, uh, Tennessee takes a poop before the game, you know, they never win the game, and so therefore, when when they poop on the bed. Before playing against Kentucky, okay, Amber Heard, down. Okay, you know what? I'm so glad you said that because let's make a segue into my third favorite bet of the preseason: <laughs> Tennessee under nine and a half. 
this team, I want you to just, I want you to just close your eyes for a second, and let's just let's play a quick imagination game. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine Alabama's interception of Hen and Hooker doesn't get overturned from a questionable pass interference penalty. I just want you to imagine, and then they return the ball back to the twenty yard line and win by seven. How different would we be viewing this Tennessee team this year if that one call goes the other way? Probably pretty Same high. exact team. How different oh. would you be viewing the team if they didn't beat Bama? Oh, if they didn't beat Bama last year? Same old, same old. Tennessee. Okay. So they have one call go their way, and now all of a sudden they're going to be a perennial 10-win program. Have you seen the rifle on that quarterback, bro? Okay. Let me. That man's you know, arm I'm so is better than you your driver. Up. I'm so glad you brought the quarterback up. So personally, I am not as high on Joe Milton as others. I've seen several quarterbacks at all levels of football, including at LSU during COVID, have a rifle arm, but not have the accuracy. Joe Milton's failed at two prior places. It's not like oh he transferred. He's like I think he's like I, I forget where he's transferred from. Maybe he was at. The Ohio State or something, he's definitely been a couple places. I'm just not completely sold on Joe Milton. Now, let's say, let's hypothetically say, Michigan, thank you, that's who it was. That's right. Let's hypothetically say that Joe Milton is as good as Hendon Hooker. That's like the upside, right? That he's going to be as good as Hendon Hooker, right? Yeah. You can chime in. Sure. Yes. Tennessee lost two NFL wide receivers. Who's Joe Milton throwing the ball to? Even if it's Hendon Hooker were coming back, the who he's throwing two, the ball to? The next two NFL wide receivers. I don't want to get two X's and O's with you, but Josh Shotwell's entire scheme and the way that they did it last year is the receivers run a couple yards and then, then decide what route they're running. It is way more on the receivers than it is the quarterback. Maybe they're going to change up a couple things, but like the receivers are the ones that torched Bama's secondary last year. Henry Hooker made the throw. It was the receivers that created the separation. And so I, I just, I mean, the receivers' losses are way more concerning than the QB losses, in my opinion. They were barely a 10 and 2 team last year. So you're telling me that everything has to break again. I mean, people forget, but in week two, they almost lost a pick. They literally went to double overtime. Pittsburgh had a backup QB in the first quarter. Because I remember I, pit, I, I bet Pitt plus seven and pushed on that. It was up 10-0 driving and threw a pick in the end zone. Pitt almost went up 17-0 in that game. So, I mean, that was a very fortunate game. I just don't see them. I don't see them beating Georgia at all. Georgia's way more physical. So your bet at, is under nine and a half? or Under nine what? and a half. Under nine and a half. Okay. I think they're going to so lose they to play... Georgia. Yeah, you're have... gonna like the, you're gonna like my reasoning here. They lose to Georgia. They're losing at Bama. I think they lose to A and M at home. Yeah, I, think I, mean, so how, like, I think they lose to A and M at home. Tennessee does terrible in the swap against Florida. You can't you can't tell me that that's for sure a win. They do terrible in the swap against Florida. I already talked about Tennessee at Kentucky is going to be a tough one for Tennessee as well. So you know I, I'm sure they'll beat South Carolina at home. I expect that, but. To me, there's just way too many landmines on a Tennessee schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if they go eight and four. I think they're going nine and three. I like Thunder. I just think too much has to go right again with the turnovers and the close game luck 
And those are two things that regress, and I think they're going under under ten. So give me the under nine. They, they lose. They lose to Alabama, and they lose to Georgia for sure. And then you have A and M and Florida, the other two that you're saying. It'll go. And Kentucky. And Kentucky. Oh, and Kentucky. Kentucky. So they have to go three and zero in those games to beat me. I just think the odds are under fifty percent that they do that. Interesting. I, I am convinced of this under 9.5. <laughs> That's yeah. the one he's convinced with. He's skeptical on Arkansas and Kentucky, so he likes the Tennessee. I like the Kentucky one. Well, because I, like I mean, more. you can rely more on people losing than people winning. Uh, it's like, spoken like a true Aggie right there. That <laughs> literally makes no sense. It's no, really it's, it's, you can rely on, like, the margin of error for Tennessee is to hit that over is so much more so slim versus yep you know Kentucky going over six and a half all right so what do you think about Bama this year Bama's not anything they're not what do you think like end of the year ranking what do you think they're at he just said it bro he th- I mean he I, I went on a long analysis, but just uh no no personally I don't really have a strong opinion on who's gonna win the national championship this year I bold prediction. I, mean, I, I know, I know you went on the thing, but I'm saying like top five, or are they top three, top ten? I, mean, I like... don't know. I, I I would say they're could go ten. They could go ten and two and play in a New Year's Six Bowl, or they could make the national championship game. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're probably equally likely. I, I don't know which is going to happen. I just like the value at seven to one. You know what? One of my bold takes before we get to other one, my my last bold take. I guess we'll start here because we don't, we don't have to go through like every single team, but um, I, I think that a team outside of Georgia, Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson is going to win the national championship this year. Which Georgia, which means I think Ohio it's State, Bama, Bama and, Clemson. and Clemson. So that means and no Michigan. So they've won eight of the last nine national championships. Is those four teams I just named, and I think it's going to be someone different. Oh, okay, you're saying somebody outside of that. I think so. Yeah, which is pretty pretty bold take. Considering that you know, once in the past nine years, that take would have been correct. I just, I just think, you know, part of it is, part of it is they're replacing quarterbacks. Part of it is the next tier of teams in college football is a little bit better than it's been. It's not as like a clear differentiator as it's been in the past. I mean, he's, I, I fully expect at least two of those teams to make the playoff. I just don't think they're going to win the championship. I think there's a lot of teams on the door. I think Michigan's got a good chance. I think Florida State could do it. Already talked about LSU, ABA, and a lot, a lot would happen. USC is another one. I mean, if Lincoln Riley has like half of a competent defense, which it doesn't really look like based on giving up 28 points to San Jose State, looks like the exact same USC team or Lincoln Riley team, I should say. Um, you know, I, I just think that there's, you know, I, I mean, Texas always underperforms with talent, but uh, there's, they kind of have a cakewalk in the Big 12. But, uh, so I don't, I don't know. There's there's a lot of places to go on Bama. I think I have like I think I have a Clemson to make the playoff at plus two fifty, and like a USC to make the playoff at plus two fifty. Uh, but I don't really have any like solid you know playoff predictions. There's just so many other things on the board that I have a better feeling about that I'm not gonna try to force this grand prediction that I, I really don't believe too much. I just think there's gonna be a lot of chaos. The last year of the BCS was Florida State Auburn. You know, with Auburn's crazy, you know, fourth quarter against Georgia, that tip, and then the kick six. So 
I could see a little similar chaos. Maybe, maybe it's going to be Florida State. Uh, I don't know. It could be Florida State someone. Who knows? What do you think about Heisman this year? Are you still thinking Caleb Williams, or do you not have a – I just think there's that? fatigue, and it's really hard to win twice. I mean, I thought Carson Beck was a good value at, like, 15-1. to I mean, it's like, you know, the formula is a QB on a championship contending team, right? So, like, anytime I can take, like, the best team in the country and take the QB at 15-1, to that's probably a good bet. Um, I, I'm not really – I don't really have anything that strong on a Heisman either. I have a couple good, but we can quickly go through some like conference wins or some conference wins, and then I'll I can touch on a couple other, um, couple other win totals before before we wrap up. Yeah, so just right. going, yeah. So just running quickly from some other features I like from conference to conference. Uh, I like Boise State plus one eighty five to win the Mountain West. Uh, they return a lot of offense. They return a lot of stars on both sides of the ball. They're kind of due to win again. Second best teams, probably Air Force in that conference, and they play Air, Air Force at home. Non-conference schedule is brutal, which is why I think you know some people might be shying away on the win total. And I'm not going to touch the win total, but in the actual conference, you know Fresno State's replacing Jay Kaner and everything. I, I just you know two to one to win is pretty good value. Similar, similar, you know, in the same boat with Toledo. Uh, I think their win total is over eight and a half. I think you could bet them over eight and a half, but I think they, I saw some stat that they like have lost the most games as like a seven plus point favorite in like the past five years of any team in the college football because the Mac's just crazy. And I, I try to limit how much money I bet or lose on the Mac. Uh, but I mean, I just have a lot of returning starters. They were very unlucky last year with like their four close games that were all losses. I think a couple will probably go the other direction. Um, and so, you know, plus money was good there. A little bit of a wild card. I like UTSA to win the ACC, the American. This is their first year in the conference, which I think is why the number is a little high. But I, I think that they, they – UTSA is probably my pick to be the New Year's Six Group of Five representative. Uh, they're five to one to win the ACC. I think Tulane's probably going to take a step back this year. Um, what else do I like? I guess quickly on the Big Ten. So I like Michigan plus 180 to win the Big Ten. I just, you know, I think they're going to beat Ohio State in that last game. And the, and whoever comes out of the of the West, even if it's Wisconsin or something, I don't think is going to be on the same level. I just, I mean, Ryan Day was bored on third base and hasn't really moved much at Ohio State. I mean, I think, I guess they arguably should almost won last year, but Michigan's just, Harbaugh knows how to play Ryan Day. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just more physical and it's just a bad matchup. Kind of like rock, paper, scissors. Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia is like rock, paper, scissors. I know I've already explained that on this show, but I just think uh, Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. So I really like the plus 180. I actually have Ohio State under 10.5 win total. I think their t- schedule's pretty tough. Uh, I mean, they play at Notre Dame. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Penn State's going to be more talented this year. I know they host Penn State, but the real big game and another team I'm high on is after Penn State, they go play at Wisconsin. About Wisconsin over eight and a half. First year, Luke Fickle. They got the SMU QB, Taylor Mordecai, transferring in. They got an a offensive coordinator who's going to play kind of an air raid offense. So they're not going to be like, you know, your grandfather's Wisconsin just run it for four, three yards in a cloud of dust. They're going to throw the ball around. Big 10 West is so dog shit. Uh, so I like Wisconsin over eight and a half. I have Iowa over eight as well because I think the rest of the Big 10 West is just dog shit. I have Purdue under five and a half. Speaking of the dog shit, they got really lucky with, uh, they got really lucky to win the Big Ten West last year. They lose everyone, they lose their coach. Uh, this is similar to like 
how, you know, Baylor kind of struggled last year. Michigan State went the exact opposite direction. I mean, this is just the same thing here. So I, I, I think Purdue under five and a half is a good one. Um, back on the Ohio State under ten and a half, it, not only their schedule tough and the new QB and everything, but it's basically a Michigan State money line ticket if they lose one game in the regular season. And it's five percent juice. Because like if they're if they're ten and one in that entering the Michigan game and I have under ten and a half, I'm basically just betting Michigan, right? So, you know, the bet's screwed if they go eleven and oh. They go nine and two though, I've already won it. And if they go and in one, I have Michigan money line at five percent, and I have a feeling Michigan money line is probably going to be in like minus one fifty territory for that game by the end of the year. So I just thought that was a little value there. Moving on to the Big Twelve, Texas is probably going to win the conference. Texas should win the conference. I'm not betting Texas to hit the over. Uh, one of my favorite teams is Texas Tech. Return a lot of starters. I know I, you probably heard me say that a million times, but it really is important with the college level compared to the pros. Having the consistency, the seniority, have their entire offense back, close to the defense, one of the best wide receiver cores in the whole country. I know everyone's talking about Ohio State, USC, Texas, but they're right up there. A lot of momentum last year. They had a couple close wins, uh, which could be pointing down, but they also play an easier schedule because you have to remember the Big 12 has Cincinnati, BYU, uh, UCF, and Houston now. So it, it's, you know, the Big the Big 12 schedule isn't as tough as, as you would think. Similarly, that's mm-hmm. why I like Oklahoma State over six and a half, just a little bit on them. They lost a lot of transfers, and I don't think their team's going to be that incredible, but the schedule's like one of the easiest Power 5 schedules I've ever seen, so... If you get some time, go look at the Oklahoma State schedule. I mean, it's like a joke. So I like the over six and a half there. I'm really high on Baylor this year. I'm high on Baylor this year. Uh, Arena's going back to his bread and butter 3-4 defense. They got a little unlucky last year. Um, I don't think they're, you know, I'm going to talk about Utah later in the segment, but they host Utah in week two after Utah plays a tough Florida game. You know, Utah, I could easily see – Utah beating Florida and then coming out flat when they have to go up, travel to or travel across uh, the country a little bit to Waco. Um, so they could definitely win that game. I think TCU's not going to be as good this year. So I, I'm not going to go game by game or everything, but I, you know, I could. If we, if we have, you know, all the time in the world, and the newsletter certainly breaks down a lot of this stuff. But I, I just think the floor for Baylor is seven and five. So I, I like the over there. That kind of sums up the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. ACC is a crapshoot. Don't really have any strong feelings on any team. I don't think I placed a single win total bet in the ACC just because I didn't really. I mean, so many of the games were toss-ups, and so many of the games could go any direction. So I completely laid off that conference. And then the last thing that I'll finish with, second bowl prediction in my fifth favorite win total bet is uh, Utah over eight and a half. So my, my bold prediction, my second bold prediction, is that Utah is going to win the Pac-12. Now, at first, you're going to say, well, they've won in the past two years. That's not a bold prediction. They're actually 6-1 to one or 7-1 to one to win the Pac-12. And they're the fourth highest chances to win the Pac-12, according to Vegas. Everyone wants to hop on USC. Everyone wants to hop on Oregon, Washington. I Easily, USC could win the Pac-12. But this is about the numbers. And I think there's a very good chance that Utah is going to be in that big Pac-12 championship game. And they just match up really well against these soft teams. They're just way more – Kyle Whittingham at Utah is just way more physical. 
and Oregon's and the USC's of the world. Like Utah could have played USC four times last year and they probably would have won three, maybe all four. It's just a matchup thing. Like he takes it to you on the line of scrimmage on both sides. He's a very strategic coach. Lincoln Riley has no defense and no sense of tempo and Woodingham just knows how to play it. Utah's returning a lot of starters and they're returning their senior quarterback. I, I just, I don't understand. I think the reason that it's, they're six to one is because everyone wants to go bet Washington with Michael Penix and Bo Nix in Oregon. The schedule is brutal for Utah. You know, and they, they lose one. I think they've lost a non-conference game like the past like four years. Even when they win, you know, the Pac-12, they still lose a non-conference game. I'm sure that they'll probably lose one of Florida or Baylor. Some people might think they, they're going to win both. I, I, I'm expecting them to lose one. And I still think that they're going to hit the over eight and a half. Because I think they'll lose at USC, in USC, and then they'll lose in non-conference. But I really don't see, like, I just don't see them losing to Oregon at home. They haven't lost a home game in a non-COVID year since 2018. And they match up very well against Oregon. And we all know how Bo Nix plays away from home. Um, and then, you know, the, the Washington game, I think, is, the, is probably their other likely loss. I'm not that high on Oregon State this year. I know people are high because Oregon State won 10 games last year and brought in DJ Leungo away, but like, you know, if, if you can't make it work in a program like Clemson with those offensive pieces against those like porous defenses in the ACC, I don't understand how you're going to get make it work in an undermanned Oregon State team compared to the rest of the Pac-12. I know Oregon State's going to be fired up to like beat all these teams leaving, but like, I'm not that concerned. UCLA is losing a lot. I'm not that concerned. So I, I just, you know. There's definitely a chance that Utah goes eight and four. They could lose a non-conference game. They could lose a couple games. Like that's not one of my like top. That's why they're fifth and not higher. I still like the eight and a half, and I just think six to one or seven to one to win the conference is just ludicrous. They should be way lower because if they get in that championship game against USC, there's no way they're beating. They're six to one. You know, I wouldn't mind even I can hedge, or I might not even have to because Utah against USC is a problem for USC. So. Very long-winded. That's basically everything I got. Uh, turn it back over to you. You said you're not concerned about a lot of things. I'm generally <laughs> and genuinely, generally and genuinely concerned with one question. You have all these numbers in front of you. I want you to quantify just, just, a, just a general metric on how many hours of college football you watched during the fall. I knew you were going to ask me. I just, I just, I just want to know, because you said you're not concerned. I'm genuinely concerned. <laughs> wait, With so all wait, these numbers, you, you have to have some sense of how many hours of college football you watch. You're just talking about watching. You're not talking about, you're not asking for hours. Like just, just watching, just watching. Because like, I'm going to do Googling after this and see how many hours of college football i bet there's some nut out there who's qual or who's quantified how many hours of college football go on in the fall and see, i just want to know see that's a hard like, question if you answer. don't watch college football on a saturday like do you itch by tuesday like does it just <laughs> do you just like you get hives or something or how does that work it doesn't happen it doesn't happen okay so like what do you define as like watching college football because if you're saying like how many hours? What do you mean? What do I define? Okay. I'm saying your like, eyes you are on a TV the, yeah, that has college football. You're watching it. Let me let me put it like this. So like when I'm on the golf course and I got 
football you're watching. on my phone. You're watching. That counts? Yes. yes. Does that count? So then literally 11 a.m. to midnight every single Saturday. If that counts, then at 11 a.m. to midnight every Saturday. And then you spend always, Sunday. Do you watch pro on Sunday or do you just do your, your Brad's best bets I on watch, Sundays? I watch. I watch. I watch Red Zone. I, I'm in 13 fantasy football leagues. Like, I, you know, I watch 13? it. I just don't care about it as much. You said yeah. 13. What do you oh, mean no, no, you no. don't care? You're in 13 leagues. I mean, I think I'm what in 11 is this blasphemy? I don't care about professional football. I'm just in 13 <laughs> leagues. One of them I'm going to win. The odds say it. I have a 13 to 1 chance to win. Lucky ladies you know, out there. Breast triple B out here. Yeah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when you like find a nice girl and you want to settle down? Like, do you just slash that into like seven leagues? You're like, Sundays are for you, babe. I'm doing seven fantasy football leagues. It started at 13. You want 50%. You're only going to get 45. When the kids come, okay, 12 fantasy leagues. No, but you see, I, I think like this is this is my argument for fantasy football. Everyone does, you know, a lot of people will do research or whatever, and they'll have an opinion. A lot of players, but you don't always get those players depending on where your draft position is. Why wouldn't you want more leagues so that you'd have more algorithms and combinations of like what the players you like? You might have some players that overlap. You might have different. And fantasy football is so like injury luck based or scheduling or whatever. Like, there's just so much variance. I don't see, you know, it's not really much to add. Like, I, I personally, I mean, I'd say, well, I think like half of my leagues are dynasties. I cut it back. I was in 13 last year. I think I'm in 11 this year. I think I'm in like six dynasties and five leagues. Good job. Good for you, cut so it it's back. Like, yeah, exactly. 13 is, I think, too much for me with college. A little too much. 11, Wait, just the right amount. There's some people I play with that are literally in like 35 fantasy football leagues. Like, I know multiple people in like 30 plus leagues. Because that's like their thing. And they like are in a bunch of dynasties and they start different dynasties every year and then they just tank in the dynasties. And all that matters is really the rookie draft. And then when their teams are good in four or five years later, then they, you know, manage and try to compete. That's like another strategy. Those are those are like the people I know that are like trying to like win and make money in fantasy football. Like that's the big thing that they do. It's the dynasties that you just tank early on and trade all your picks. So they're not like actively focused on 30 leagues a year. Um, but to be honest with you, the dynasty leagues don't take that much because the waiver wires are pretty thin. You have the players, the rookie drafts, and like, sure, you're going back and forth on trades in the off season. But you know, mid season, maybe you're doing a thing or two. I, I, I don't think it's too much. And then you know, At by what the time point that, do you what what point do you compare this to an actual job? 30, 25, 20 leagues. I feel like that. I feel like once you break five, know. it's kind of like a I mean, job. I think y'all much spend more time on a fantasy football leagues than I do. Because to me, it's really like, I mean, I, I don't highly spend than, doubt that. I don't spend more than like an hour a week on fantasy football. The Ross, the lineups are set. Like, I don't need to go, like, my lineups are set. And then, like, 11 30 or I guess 11 a.m., I'll go check and see if I need to, like, move someone. You know? I'm gonna my waiver wire stuff's done on Tuesday nights. Like I'm not I'm not like you know I know I guess casual people are trying to pick up people on the waiver wire on Friday, but like I know who I'm taking or not taking on play Tuesday that night shit. when the waivers open. Yeah, like it, it's really not that much. And then on the NFL, I probably just I mean I bet the NFL. I just don't put as much money as college. I probably you know I'll sit there for red zone. I'll watch all the games and then you know, I might have the score on. And I guess if I'm not doing anything afternoon like i normally go run in like the second half of the 3 p.m games 
five, that's what I normally do. And then I watch Sunday night football or something this in the background. Brother? <laughs> no, well, Brett, you're our, you're, yeah, you're a maniac dude but i love you man you're you're always fun to have on this is i appreciate like, it I appreciate you're an absolute it. maniac and i love that about you we'll <laughs> do when, when arkansas is like five and oh let's uh let's uh let's meet up mid-season actually i don't think that. arkansas will be five now kentucky will be five and oh that's what we'll do i mean both but, will uh, be five and oh yeah i know i told everyone i said you know if you're trying to, you know, some people play it safe. I definitely didn't play it safe this year. I'm betting on Arkansas football, Kentucky football, not basketball, and a 10 win Tennessee team to go under. All the momentum. Maybe we could be so, betting on Kansas football. That's, that's yeah, no, I did not want to take that over or under this year. I've I have no clue. So um, yeah. we'll see. I think the week one slate's pretty boring. I don't really have any. Like I literally am going through, like looking, you know, writing an article. I'm going to a bachelor party this week, so I'm kind of writing an article early. I don't think there's like I think there's like maybe two bets that I like 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 they read them out. Mm. Y'all can That's take it or leave two it. Bets you get. That's two bets. I'm gonna yeah, lose all my football. my storage my storage for bets. My high school football play of the week is gonna be uh, I think it's gonna be South Florida plus eleven and a half. They play. Oh, Did you just say a high school play. team? Well, I call it high school football play of the week in my newsletter but that just means the group of five games because it's you know oh. it's kind of a joke because it's like you know, high school football compared to like the power five programs but it's it's really the group of five play of the week south Sounds florida like is playing... why am i blanking on it they're playing some overrated team but i forgot who it is oh western kentucky yeah south florida is gonna be better than people think western kentucky i mean they might win conference usa and have the quarterback and stuff but 11 and a half is a lot of points so I like that one. I like South Alabama at Tulane plus like six and a half for the touchdown as well. Uh, I like Toledo plus nine and a half over Illinois. I'm just going to tell Absolutely you, gun in my head, I couldn't name five of these teams. Um, There's just zero chance. What else do I like? Oh, I think I like A&M minus 38 over New Mexico if it stays there. There's a really cool stat. I think if the spread is – the spread in week one is 37 and a half or higher. It's 11 and 0 in the past decade. So I think like AM and Alabama and maybe Auburn, I don't know what the spread is now, kind of fit the bill. So I'll probably be on the Aggies. I fully expect, I fully expect AM to do what Notre Dame just did and like go blow out their opponent and like, oh, hey, the offense, everything's fixed. We're going to run up the score. So everyone thinks everything's fine. You know, I don't see them taking their foot off the gas against New Mexico. So, so this is this is a warm up show for you because you're going to be on ESPN, huh? Or has that not happened yet? Or has that already happened? I don't you? know about ESPN. Well, I don't know about ESPN, but like, yeah, a, uh, I think I'll Brett, be on. Brett's I will be, be on ESPN. He needs to summarize it. No, he literally comes to me like when we're playing golf or something one day, and he goes, "Hey, man, I want to come on the show. I'm going to be on an ESPN radio show. No, I need a warm up." ESPN. And I was like, "Ouch!" But okay. No, no, my, I think one of my friends like works for ESPN and I, she has like a podcast that I think I'll be on like at some point in the middle of the year. Close enough. So I will. Close enough. Yeah. That, like not, not really ESPN, but kind of ESPN. So, uh, mm. so exciting. Where, where can they find you on that? You're saying during this, during the season? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when it, when it actually, when it actually comes. Um, she has yeah, like a personal nice. podcast, but I don't think she's on locked on too. I don't know if you'll listen to locked on SEC. I listen to that every morning. I recommend it. It's a quick, like, 20 minutes every morning. 
just runs through SEC Sports. I, I listen to it on the drive to work. Nice. So, nice. Monday to Friday. Well, two fans, you know where to yeah. find Mr. Brett here. Brett's yep. Best Bets. Reach out to us. You got to get added to this newsletter. If this guy's putting in 19 pages of work, thousands and thousands of words for you to win money, you want in on that. There's not no bullshit. Pay $5 subscription for an ESPN, Matthew Barry nonsense. No, you will win money with these locks. You're getting this information for free. free. You also get added to the Brett's Best Bets for free. You just got to reach out to us. At Slice Devils Pod, Slice Devils Podcast. Boys and girls, and we will see you next time.